Blog Talk Radio. I have an emergency. What is your location? Yes, indeed. Good morning. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this very beautiful day. We thank you that you are the Lord. You are God. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for us. Thank you for going to the cross. Thank you for laying down your life. Thank you for being willing to suffer uh, and be sacrificed for our deliverance, for our healing, for our uh, freedom. And we thank you, Jesus, that you did it for a reason, for a purpose, for love. And we thank you, Lord, for giving us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to recognize and to be um, blessed uh, in that love, to be gathered up together with you in that love. Father, we thank you now for giving us wisdom as we bring this wonderful story to you and that you will gather our hearts together with encouragement and hope and protect us, Lord God, even this message, Lord, with the covering of the blood of Jesus, that the enemy cannot snatch it, switch, twist, or cause it to become lost or buried, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, today we're going to have a story. Uh, People like stories, the the story of the scarlet worm and the cross. This is an incredible parable uh, that's brought to us with a profound meaning about the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we're um, excited to talk about this incredible true story about the love of God told to us by the scarlet worm and our storyteller today, for the most part, is Jerry Cole. Yes, here I am. <laughs> Gather around, boys and girls. Yeah, this it's is better story, than it's Peter Rabbit time. and Cottontail. And yeah, we're not talking it? about the Easter Bunny. No, nope, but we do have a, we do have a, we have a story, like a that. resurrection, crucifixion yeah, this story. Yeah, this is just absolutely wonderful. And it's something that's almost uh, overlooked Hidden, or not, n- not, not known about. Not yeah. known about, just, yes. just kind of unknown, but it's right there. It's kind of hidden in plain sight, and it's uh, it, we find it in Psalm 22, uh-huh. Psalm 22, which is actually uh, it's written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and you'll see why in just a little bit that we all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's God breathed, but it is Psalm 22 is it's written to be sung as a psalm, but it's like a a, a poem mm-hmm. or a prayer. It's really like a prayer. A lot of the Psalms are prayers. And in those prayers, there's the struggle with, with what the writer is experiencing right. at that particular time. Mm-hmm. So this is basically, it's like an anguished prayer of David, the Psalms. Right. You know, Israel. it starts out interesting, honey, you're right. Because it starts out with that very first verse, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that's exact, of course, words of Jesus on the cross. So we kind of get clued in that this is going to be something about the crucifixion. Right. Well, he's, he's writing first in the first sense as a, a, a godly sufferer. He's not suffering. We don't have an indication in here that he's suffering because of his sin or foolishness. He's suffering as a, as a godly man who is experiencing very vicious and uh, prolonged attacks of his enemies yeah. from whom the Lord has not yet delivered him. Yeah. So all the way through, there is really there is the hint of the deliverance. There's the belief of deliverance, uh, but it, it comes at the end end of the psalm. But 
it's interesting, Marjorie. This is something more, far more than just David having a bad day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is really written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit about a thousand years before the cross, the crucifixion yeah. of Christ. Now think about that. It's a prophetic uh, foreshadowing of the cross, and you, but he uses words like. The dogs, the bulls, the the what was the other one? Lions have yeah. The wild oxen. Him. Yeah. Later on, he uses uh, wild oxen. Yeah, we don't know exactly what situation David was going through at this time. It may have been when Absalom took over the kingdom and he was forced to flee. Um, we don't know, but it really matches a lot of what Jesus. We can just parallel it completely. Lay these two together, and they just kind of overlay completely. Yeah, well, the language David uses to describe his own, prompted by the Holy Spirit, and to describe, there are descriptions, again, a thousand years before the crucifixion of Christ, descriptions of the exact experiences of Jesus on the cross. And uh, you you said, you mentioned earlier, Marjorie, uh, about, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm -hmm. This is the exact Jesus actually cries out that psalm, cries out these very words Mm -hmm. in uh, Matthew 27, verse uh, 46. He says, about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yeah, very profound, very incredible. You can see the excruciating pain and anguish, mental torment that Jesus is going through even to utter these words, but maybe he's paralleling David, recognizing that David also uh, foreshadowed him, but that this abandonment issue that so many of us struggle with. And and with that, you know, comes, and I think part of his greatest pain in this abandonment was the scoffing um, that he endured, like like, uh, uh, David is talking about on the cross. You have the the various verses that talk about those kinds of mockeries and sneerings. Right, right. Let's look at this verses uh, 7 and 8 uh, of Psalm 22. All those who see me ridicule me, Mm -hmm. they shoot out the lip. Mm -hmm. They shake the head saying, he trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. And then you read in Matthew 27, 39, all those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads. Mm-hmm. saying, you destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Mm-hmm. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also, mm-hmm. mocking, along with the scribes and the elders. Mm-hmm. So these are the religious elite of the day. Well, even the soldiers were mocking him. Right. They twisted He's, the crown of thorns in verse 29. They put it on his head, the reed in his hand. They bowed down the knee before and mocked him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. They spat on him and took the reed and struck him in the head. And when they had mocked him, they took the robe off of him. I think it was the robe that maybe Herod had put on him, which was a scarlet robe. And they put his own clothes on him and led him away to be crucified. So you have the group of soldiers mocking him. You have the people at the foot of the cross in Luke 23. He talks more about the, the sneering and the scoffing. Well, even Matthew 27, 44, even the robbers who were crucified with him, reviled him with yeah. the same thing. They kept saying, come down from the cross. It, yeah. Prove yourself, prove yourself. And so the very thing Jesus had to do to stay on the cross to save them was the thing they were chiding and mocking and, and jeering and, and you know sneering and hating him for, for 
staying on the cross. Come down from the cross, he says in, in Mark uh, chapter 15. He says, save yourself and come down from the cross, like with the chief priests and others. Scribes mocked and among themselves. Says, he saved others himself. He cannot save. But the Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. And those who were crucified with him reviled him. So this is the humiliation. This is the shame. This is the, you know, the defenselessness that Jesus had uh, picked up. And, uh, you know, he was just being quiet, silent. Well, here you have evil evil men, even though they're religious, inspired by Satan. Satan hates the cross. He hates the Savior. He hates righteousness. And he says, uh, the psalmist says in in Psalm 22, 16 through uh, 18, it says, for dogs have surrounded me. Mm-hmm. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. The word pierced there actually means to be pierced like being torn up by a lion. Okay. Like pierced, like, re- we, we, you know, all like torn. the... Yes. He was absolutely... Yes. We've got the crown of thorns. We've got the mockery. We've got the sneering. We've got the abandonment. We've, but we've got a curious word that... David brings forth in well the- before that let let's look at this just to show again the the how these this prophecy these prophecies were fulfilled verses seventeen and eighteen i I can count mm-hmm. all my bones, they look and stare at me, so he's basically you know he's naked on the cross they divide they divide my, my garments, garments among them, and for my clothing, they cast lots and so in in um we read in psalm uh, matthew twenty seven uh, 35 and 36, then they crucified him, divided his garments, mm-hmm. casting lot, that, lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, they de- that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. David is described here as a prophet, uh, one who speaks prophetically, speaks into the future, truth that would be fulfilled in the future. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast Lots. Isn't it interesting too? All the parallels. If you look at the the details of this, that the parable, the parallels. Like even he was naked. Adam and Eve were in the garden. They were naked uh, and unashamed until they sinned, and so Jesus had to go to that level of being stripped um, to be to parallel to uh, address all of the issues of mankind: shame, nakedness, vulnerabilities, um, sin. Right. He was stripped. He was, he bore our shame. Yeah. He bore our shame and our sorrows and he was stripped so he could clothe us, clothe us with his righteousness. He was despised and abhorred. He was willing. He was afflicted with the the affliction of the afflicted. Um, You know, it's just obvious that when the Bible says in Romans, uh, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will not be ashamed that that, that spirit of shame has to be addressed, and this is how Jesus addressed it by experiencing it for us. But tell me, there's a, there's a very curious piece in in Psalm 22 that um, we would also ascribe to Jesus. Um, in as you parallel these words that David is saying with what Jesus was saying on the cross, what? But I am a worm, and it, that seems a little weird. I mean, a worm. Yeah, maybe he's taking on the sense of he's feeling very lowly and insignificant and hidden and stepped on. Um, maybe that is what he's meaning, but I think there's a deeper meaning and you have something. Um, oh, exactly. A lot you... of times if you, if you think of yourself as a worm, you're thinking yourself as very, uh, very low. You're at your lowest point. Okay. 
and you, you feel like you're not even human anymore. So David is really at a very, very low point, And he says, I am a worm. So, you know, there's a song that, um, well, he was cross, pointing, yeah. That says, "Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I?" So, so we think mm-hmm. of worm as something uh, very lowly, or sometimes we think of worms as like you know evil that you know maggots and yeah. and, and or, or earthworms or nightcrawlers or something yeah. that's yeah. gross and consuming and feeding on dead mm-hmm. things and rotten things. But this word worm here. In the Hebrew language, yeah. it's it's not a, no ordinary worm. Not an angleworm. <laughs> no, not a angleworm. But it actually, not a nightcrawler. Not a nightcrawler. Okay. Not a maggot, but a it, it's a crimson or scarlet worm. The word is uh, toloth. I, I'm I'm not no, sure if I'm pronouncing that exactly, but it's actually it's a female grub. Now we're here not here to feminize Jesus, mm-hmm. by the way. But it's a female grub about the size of a pea. It's, it's just very small. It's just kind of short and, short and fat. Is it, is it shaped like a pea then? Yeah, it's, yeah kind of like okay. about the size a round, of a pea. Round, red pea worm. Yeah. Grub. Yeah, a, gr- okay. a grub. It. Okay. And it's, it's common in that Mediterranean region of old Israel. In the, and um, so this is what he's referring to. He says, I am a a worm, and we think, oh man, this, you is, know, this is horrible. This is a reproach. This is, but we we see, as we'll see today, this is something absolutely powerful and wonderful. It's a parable because these people, as you just said, it, it, this was a common worm, a common known thing over in Israel at the time. So when he's saying I'm a worm, the people would know what that meant. That means I'm gonna, you know, like you know what they do, what they are, and I think that's what we don't know because we don't live there. So we're gonna find out about this little round red. Scarlet pea worm. Yeah, yeah, worm. And and a lot of times it's something that a lot of people, if you just read through this, you're not going to pick it up. If you look in Hebrew, you see something. But you don't know it. And even a lot of... Because it's not in your context. Even a lot of Bible scholars don't even yeah. deal with that. But you dig a little deeper and you find gold, right? It, yeah, exactly. And so, but with this this uh, grub worm, this worm, this scarlet, we'll call it a scarlet worm. It can be, you know, it's crimson or scarlet worm. There comes a time when the scarlet worm climbs from the ground. Essentially, it, it lives on the ground. Jesus came to what? Earth. Live on earth. Yeah. yeah okay. He came to live on earth. He came from what? Heaven to earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, it climbs from the ground to a tree. And, and most commonly, this worm goes on a kermis. It's a K-E-R-M-E-S or scarlet oak. Mm-hmm. It's like we could, I guess we could call it like a red oak. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sometimes they, they've been known to climb on like a, a wooden fence post or just some other piece of, of wood. But when it climbs that tree, it's a one-way trip. It's never coming back down alive. Why does it climb the tree? Well, because it's going up to give birth to a family. Mm. So- it's going to give birth. To a family. Well, evidently, then, in giving birth to the family, the worm—if it's a one-way trip—the worm dies. The worm dies. Mm-hmm. If you look in Hebrews, mm-hmm. and we'll we'll see all these uh, parallels. Hebrews chapter two, verses nine and ten, it talks about. Uh, well, ooh, verse yeah, verse nine. 
I get excited about this, honey. Yeah, yeah, you do. I do, too. It's like uh, verse 9 of Hebrews 2. But we see Jesus, mm-hmm. who is made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, mm-hmm. crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings, bringing many sons to glory. Basically, Jesus Jesus went to the cross Uh in order to bring forth a family of sons and daughters of sons and daughters of people who, who love him, who are of him that uh, express his glory here on the earth. Oh, cool. Very cool. So, so this worm is going forward like Jesus, Going up to the cross to give birth to bring forth sons and daughters of family. Now, but I, I think there's more to the story, isn't there? Oh, there's, there's certainly. Uh, but on that tree, now, and, and of course, the cross is referred to as the sure the tree, tree. Mm-hmm. in the scripture. Once on the tree, the scarlet worm attaches itself permanently, so permanently, so tightly to that tree that. In order to pull it off, you tried to pull the worm off, you'd have to just pull it to pieces mm. to bring it off. Interesting, too. Just a back thought that just came to me. As Jesus was, anybody who was carrying a cross through the streets of Jerusalem was a one-way trip. They were not, not going to get out of that crucifixion. They were going to die. That was, that was it. That was their destiny there with that crucifixion. The same of the worm, same with Jesus. He was, there was a one-way trip. He was going to go there wasn't going to come back off that tree. That was a well-known fact in the day. And so um, that's a parable or a parallel as well. Well, it, it's, an, it's a parable for us, too. When Jesus said this, he said um, to his disciples in, in Matthew sixteen twenty four, if anyone deny, desires mm-hmm. to come after me, let him deny himself Take up and take up cross his cross and, and follow, follow me. me. In other words, there's no turning back. Yeah. Luke nine sixty two says, if any man sets his hand to the plow and looks back, he is not fit for the kingdom of God. In so when following case, Jesus yeah. is a one-way time journey. And taking up the cross, the cross is an instrument of death. And so, you know, losing ourselves and following Jesus. But we're, we're going to go forward because we, we got more to tell. Oh, there's so much here. So in order... So the worm lays its eggs mm-hmm. and shelters them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Covers and, and, them. And Psalm 61 verse three talks about the Lord being a shelter for us. Um, but it lays its eggs and shelters them under uh, her body until the babies are hatched. So the eggs are, she's sheltering protecting. the eggs, protecting the eggs. Mm-hmm. And when the, um, during the birth process, so the birth, the birth process, the dying process of the scarlet worm is the birth process of the babies. The babies. Mm-hmm. Okay. During the birth process, the worm secretes a scarlet fluid or it's like sometimes it's like a gel. It's a fluid or gel mm-hmm. that in, it covers her entire body. Mm-hmm. Okay. She's covered. All the eggs are covered. The baby worms that are born are covered, and their stain, when that gel is released, their stain, they're red, they're covered. 
mm-hmm. with that with that scarlet for the rest of their lives, and also the mark that's left. There's this that wood is stained permanently. Mm-hmm. Mm. The wood, the tree on which that that's why it's a red oak. Yeah, crimson well, oak. <laughs> wow. They, you know, because that's where the the scarlet worm sit. So there, that stain is going to stay there. It's not going to fade mm-hmm. for you know the so the, they're the kind life of like of born tree. white and stained red through the blood of their mother as she's dying. She secretes, secretes this blood to cover them, giving birth. It's part of their birth process. Interesting, right? It colors right. them, and mm-hmm. and the way the way we are born again is through the is blood through, of Jesus. through the blood mm-hmm. of Jesus to faith in the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. Mm-hmm. And, and that remains the only way we can be saved. So, so we're really those that are, are, are born again. Uh, we are covered with the blood. So the Jesus, mm-hmm. the, the blood, the righteousness of Jesus. Very similar. Is, is, is upon us as, as believers. So wow. in a sense, we hear, uh, the term used were covered by the blood mm-hmm. as believers were under the blood we're changed mm-hmm. were changed mm-hmm. by the blood the the um Mark, passover Mark, that that's see. that's like yeah, what about right yeah. today the blood, almost yeah. almost Yesterday. right now is we're, we're right at passover time so the where we get the term passover is that when mm-hmm. uh, the blood uh when the israelites were leaving egypt after 430 years of bondage god said I'm giving you just a synopsis of it. Take this lamb, kill this lamb, yep. use hyssop, which is a common grass or weed, dip it in a basin with that blood, put it in the, the cross beam above the door and put it on the sides of the door. So you actually had to kind of do the, 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 the sign of the cross almost when you were actually putting the blood on mm-hmm. this doorpost mm-hmm. and on the lintel, which is above the door. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the death angel was going to come that night. And anybody who did not have the blood on their house, or was, yeah. the, they would mm-hmm. lose the what the firstborn would die. Yeah, they had to stay in the house because that was they the had to stay in the house, and place. it was a it was a lamb for a house, mm-hmm. the blood of the lamb for each house. And God said, when the I send the death angel out, mm-hmm. when I see the blood, I will pass over you, mm-hmm. and there would be no death, there would be protection. So when we when we um, believe and trust in Jesus, mm-hmm. uh, God the power sees of that blood. the, the blood, power, the, yeah. the power of that to blood to deliver from death. It, right in the power of the blood of Jesus. There's an old song that the uh, the it will never lose its power, mm-hmm. just like it stays. I mean those those little baby uh, worms they stay red the less of their life. They're red all their life. The mark on the tree is there. Is there permanently. all permanently, mm-hmm. and uh, so it, it's as it's there permanently, and and really, what makes permanent the 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 blood, the effectiveness of the death of Jesus is the resurrection of Jesus. Yeah. Because if Jesus would have simply died, yeah, uh, and and without the resurrection, there's no hope. The, the, there's there would pointless. be no hope. Yeah. There, the cross, in a sense, Satan would, would, be have meaning, won. would be meaningless. Yeah. Is is dramatic and powerful. So it's the it's the that when we're talking about the cross of Christ, we're not we're not only talking about the death of Jesus for our sins, the substitutionary death of Jesus on the cross for our sins. We're also talking at the cross. A lot of people refer to it as the cross resurrection event, 
So mm-hmm. it's the resurrection mm-hmm. that uh, makes us, uh, that makes the cross a, a permanent. Yeah. So is there more to the story then? Because we have the death part. We have the little babies covered with the blood uh, of their mother. Then what happens? Well, what happens is that the baby worms, when they're born, because they're, they're, you know, it's just like in a gestational period, you know, the, the life of the, the mother goes mm-hmm. into the, into the baby, the baby mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So what happens when the baby worms are born, they feed off the body of the mother. Oh. Yeah. And so if you look at John, chapter, than... John chapter 6. Yeah. And yeah it reminds me of no, that. This yeah. is Jesus. Uh, well, he says, I'm the bread uh, of life, the bread which comes down from heaven. He's talking here about the, bo- the body and the blood of Jesus in that chapter. And um, uh, he says, I am the living bread, which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will, he will live forever. The bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. That's kind of the same thing in in verse 51, John 6, 51. Um, It's, it's kind of, you know, you think of it first time I read it, I'm thinking, this is gross. Is this, is this cannibalism or what? I surely say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is blood indeed, and my, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. Um, the, the, this little, the baby's eating their mother, uh, and Jesus, of course, when he, the Last Supper, when he gave this, you know, instruction, he handed them a piece of bread and, and they were, they partook of the cup of the wine together. Um, and he said, do this as often as you will in remembrance of me. And that word remembrance is very important because he wasn't introducing cannibalism into the Christian community. Uh, you know, if, because when he handed them the bread, they didn't bite off his fingers. They, they knew the difference between his hand and the bread. He says, this is, this is symbolic. It's a picture. Is, it's yeah. like it's like if you have a photograph. If you're say if you're a, a parent or a grandparent and you have a photograph that says, "Oh, I this is my." You, you open up your phone and you show to somebody. Say, "Okay, this is my grandson George." Okay, well, yeah, okay. You show him on your phone. Well, yeah, that's him, but it's a picture of him. Right. right? It's not actually. But we know him. this. You know, we yeah. as humans understand this this parable of pictures and. Um, uh, but in the day that Jesus wanted to give them something that was very, very common that they did pretty much every day, something that would remind them every day, it's like a, a, a trigger or a, uh, a, to remind them, to bring them back to the memory of that night and of the event that it symbolized, which would be to um, every time you eat bread, every time, and most people eat bread with every meal and drink something. And if, if you drink some sort of wine, remember, this is my blood. This is my body. Do it like that. Remember it like that. A lot of people, are, un, unfortunately, Satan has taken this very sacred picture uh, uh, and made it into some sort of a sacrament where it, and they actually, Satan has pushed the meaning of this to be real uh, transubstantiation, the real blood and, and the real bones and the real, you know, eyebrows of Jesus as you eat the wafer. And that's how you consume Jesus and get him in you. But really the Lord meant it as a symbolic picture, as a way of coming, continuing to stay in agreement with that remembrance. Because every time you do it, you are remembering and coming back into an agreement with the contract cared for us on the cross, consuming being part of just like um, to live the little worms, how to eat their mother, 
for us to live, we have to, and we don't literally eat Jesus, thank God, but we do literally, um, and, the, and when, you, when, you, when, you change, when you eat food, when you eat whatever you eat, it is a one-way trip, basically. It's never going to be bread again. It's never going to be. The grain falls into the ground. It loses its identity. It becomes a, a, a shaft of corn or wheat or oats, whatever. And it, it loses its life to bring forth life. And that's kind of the parable of the swarm, I think. It's, right, right. And we, we partake of Jesus Christ through his word, through, through the, the written word, through the, absolutely. Through, the, through the power of the Holy Spirit. The life of Jesus is in us. You know, Jesus, we're, we're born again. We're, we're, Jesus came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. And we sustain that we life live, by we, food. I mean, even our human life, it's the same thing, isn't right. it? Right. Another thing, too, is First uh, Corinthians twelve twenty seven says, Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And I believe that there's, we could say there's an application here, too. It's like, um, in a sense, we, um, in, in the body of Christ as believers, in a sense, we feed off one another. Now, I'm not, hear me out on Don't this. Don't eat it, bite, and devour. Well, no. sometimes there are churches <laughs> yeah, sometimes where way. people do, you know, uh, Chew up, was, it, was it Galatians? Spit out. Uh, uh, Paul said, if you bite and devour yeah. one another, take heed that you be not consumed of one another. Right. So we're not talking about there's the gossiping and mm-hmm. criticism, unjust backbiting. criticism, backbiting. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about that. Some some groups, that's that's how they but, feed off each other. But we, you know, if you look at First Corinthians 12, it talks mm-hmm. about, you know, the different uh, aspects, the different parts of the body of Christ. And we are, uh, you know, we learn from one another. We're helped by one another. Every we need part one has another. a different yeah. function. Mm-hmm. And so right available to us there's there's uh, spiritual gifts mm-hmm. there's there's great uh, uh, unity and diversity uh-huh. and by diversity we're talking about different kinds of gifts uh created and released to Linked us together us interconnected by the holy spirit yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. so there's a variety mm-hmm. of uh, functions in other words you know we have apostles prophets evangelists pastors teachers we have gifts of help uh, tongues, prophecy, discerning wisdom. of spirits, word, word of wisdom, of word of knowledge, yeah. gifts of healing, gifts Tons of miracles, of all these kinds of Talent, things, administration, administration giving, yeah. giving, teachers, helps, all these things. So they're, they're, in a sense, that is, in a sense, just That's like God's our, our kind, human yeah. body, we your human body kind of, in a sense, feeds off it, itself because it, it's not an attack of... Um, you know, consuming, but my heart needs my liver. My liver needs my pancreas. My they brain, help each other. And this is what Jesus together, and built they us help together each other. as a body. Right. And I think we're, you know, this is again, a little bit drifting from where we are, but the thing is everything connects. And, and even going back to the lowly little worm, um, she tells a story is so interesting to me. And we're not even done with the story. There's more to it, but um, maybe we should finish the story, but th- then I'll make my last remark about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, and and so, actually, so the uh, after dying in giving birth, okay, um, and the little babies are eating her. Now we're at the babies we're at, are yeah. eating eating mama for a period of about three days. Mm-hmm. The worm can be scraped from the tree, and in ancient times it was it was dried and and brought into made into powder. And it was made into dye. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
red scarlet uh, dye. Scarlet dye or crimson dye. And that it was the dye that was used in the old tabernacle, mm-hmm. the old testament tabernacle. There were the ram's skins dyed, dyed red. red. You you hear common colors and we, we this is some this is a whole study in itself, um, of the tabernacle and the priestly garment, blue, purple, and scarlet are these common colors. And so you, you talk about the scarlet or the crimson mm-hmm. uh, was used in the tabernacle and also mm-hmm. for the garments of the high, in the garments of the high priest and making the garments of the high priest. Oh, now, Jesus is our, is our high priest mm-hmm. and he's our, in a sense, our tabernacle Amen. and the red really speaks of the ramskins dye red that, that the cover blood. the tabernacle mm-hmm. speaks of the covering of the blood. And of course, the Old Testament tabernacle, or it's known as the tabernacle in the wilderness, it, it really, it's all about Jesus. It's all True. about aspects of Jesus Christ, redemption, salvation. And isn't it interesting? I mean, have you ever wondered as you read through the stories of what, the, what Pilate and Herod and the crown of thorns and, you know, gambling for his clothes, all these little details and that not one thing there is, extraneous or unnecessary or trivial in terms of the, the sure and the, the meaning behind it that God intended. And even the fact that Herod put a scarlet robe on Jesus, some people yeah. say purple, some say scarlet, but it was probably, maybe they were both, I don't know, but the scarlet robe, which, and, and you say here that the high priest wore the, the high priest wore the scarlet color. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus became a high priest for us. So that high priest priestly robe was put on him. I think that also symbolic. And isn't it interesting that that robe was probably dyed by the death because that little worm had to die to give forth that dye. And it was, it was killed, died, not killed. It laid down its life willingly. It wasn't really killed at all. It laid down its life. And from its death, we come, we get this red dye from the death. We get the blood of Jesus, it had to, their death had to be there for the die for the blood to come, and then this little worm is participating in the crucifixion of Jesus, in that it's providing the red colored robe that Jesus dressed up in. And here's another interesting thing: that little lowly, obscure worm. That worm is so obscure, yeah. In that, that oftentimes when people saw it, they thought it was just actually part of the tree. It was just like yeah. a little nodule on the tree. Yeah. So it was seemed to be almost insignificant. So easily such overlooked. A trivial, unimportant part of creation that but this little worm, I mean all of God's creation, even to the worms and the microbes, got a place in the in salvation, in the crucifixion, in the cross, in the redemption, I should say, of mankind. And this little worm, uh the uncomely parts it was elevated to a place of renown when Jesus said, uh, basically, I'm a worm and no man. We, we don't hear Jesus saying it, but it's like he said it because David said it and David said everything Jesus said. And Jesus basically said everything David said because it's the same thing. And so he says, I'm a worm and no man. And so the Lord is saying this through the mouth of David. I'm a worm and no man. We don't hear that on the cross, but we hear it in that psalm, which reflects the cross. So Jesus was elevating exalting, uh, uh, exonerating, and using the life story of the worm as a parable, as almost a prophetic uh, word that would describe in a, a parable form to the people what he himself would do, just like Jesus used parables about the shepherds 
and the soil and wheat and the tares and it, it, things that were common to them, those things became, I mean, even the, the parable of the wheat and the tares, there's a creation out there of wheat. There's wheat. We know wheat. And then there's a tear that looks like wheat, but it's not wheat. And he used that. It was created specifically for that day when God would use it as a parable. Jesus would use it as to tell a story, to, to present a spiritual point. Mm-hmm. That there are people out there who look like Christians, look like his, but they're not. And in this little worm, now we have the worm's most elevated uh, acknowledgement by the creator. I mean, it's just very cool. And it's in the, the sense it says in, in Isaiah 52, 14, 14, just as many were astonished at you, so his visage or his face or his form was marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of man. In other words, Jesus on the cross didn't even look human. That's okay? right. Yeah. So he was, he was just, yeah, that's he was Isaiah crushed. 50, and we, we read in Isaiah uh, 53, yeah. verse, mm-hmm. start with verse 4, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Yeah. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed there's another part we're going to talk about in a second but when it says there in in the middle of verse 5 Isaiah 53 he was bruised for our iniquity it means that he was like crumbled Mm -hmm. the Hebrew word there means to be crumbled or to be beaten to pieces well those little worms had to be crumbled in order to turn into dye they had to be scraped (laughs) off the tree so they were you know crushed bruised crumbled um, to give a color, the color of their blood. It's, it was then not just for their babies, obviously, but this dye could now be co- used to cover to be... other things, <laughs> other people, make things beautiful, uh, scarlet robes. And even even the, the, the scarlet dye, the scarlet, was used in certain cleansing ceremonies in the Old Covenant. Mm. They were part of a formulae, formulae, I guess it is, or formulas, to to do ritual cleansing, like with the ashes of a red heifer. Oh. You take this and this and this and scarlet. Take this and this and scarlet. Oh, yeah. So there was a cleansing so process. So it was like a medicine. So there was, a, yeah. And another thing, too, is that uh, it, it's interesting that the uh, scarlet or crimson worm is used to make medicine. Now, I don't know if it oh. still is, but it was used to make medicine. For healing. And you know what of it was course. for? What? I don't know. To help the heart beat smoothly. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, there's <laughs> too Jesus, many parables Jesus here. Is parallels. Our, he's our healer. We just read it. Uh, last part of uh, Isaiah 53, verse 5. Mm-hmm. And by his stripes, we are healed. Isn't and, you know, our Red. hearts are troubled. You know, the Bible says in the last days, men's hearts will, will be, be failing them for fear mm-hmm. of the things that are coming up. Uh, helps the heart beat smoothly. It's a medicine, so he's he brings healing to us. By his stripes um, we yeah, are healed. By his, his wounds we are are healed. And now, the little worm helps him. Yeah, the little worm. And, and now <laughs> another thing too, about this little worm, that on the uh, by the morning of the fourth day. Okay, Ooh. so he's yeah. You can all. It's three, Jesus was in the grave. How long? Three, three days, days. Three nights. Yeah. In the morning of and the fourth day. The mor- <laughs> <laughs> Not the night. Woo! Praise God. We can shout here a little bit. But you can, 
you can only during those period of three days. That's when you they gathered the dye for the the yeah the body for the dye. But the fourth day, mm-hmm. what happens is that the worm, even though it's 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 in its it dying, it has pulled its head and tail together mm-hmm. in the shape of a heart. So what's left of it becomes a heart. So the babies ate some of it. What's left of it becomes a heart and, and basically the, and, the and valentine. And the message of the cross, really, it's the message of the love of God. Mm-hmm. You think of the heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And this this heart, is it's white as snow, and, 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 it, and there's like a wax. We were in Psalm 22. It says, my heart is melted like snow. Yeah. Yeah. So it becomes a wax. So not only was uh, a uh, the the crimson released or the scarlet the released, first three days, the first three days, but then there was a wax that was formed, yeah. and this wax was used as a preserver, oh. like to preserve wood, like like shellac. Oh. And so the what we said earlier to preserve our lives. What yeah. he preserves our lives and what preserves. The message of the cross and the blood is is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That He is alive. He He came to. He was raised Holy. for mm-hmm. our justification to enforce the message of the cross. It's through that Jesus is is alive and and really the whole. The, if you get further, and we won't necessarily go all there today, but further in Psalm twenty two, in David's struggle, there's a message of victory. And the end of the cross and the resurrection is not just this is all over, but the message is 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 the one of uh, victory. And another thing too uh, about this uh, uh, scarlet worm mm-hmm. that the crushed worm uh, that is when the worm is crushed and uh, it it emits a wonderful fragrance oh my and you know you know i, I use the example of this. we have these um uh asian beetles around here and sometimes yeah and, well the fragrance is and you nice squeeze there. those things and they but just they're not red they're orange they stink Ick. and they're orange but the the jesus uh emits the, the i mean these um, the, the aroma the the aroma Sweet when, when the when the is crushed and Jesus was what he was crushed for mm-hmm. our iniquities. Mm-hmm. That was a sweet savor to God. Uh, when you read in the Old Testament about sacrifices that were offered, incense that was offered, or the, the, or the burnt offering and the, and the blood, it was offered as a what sweet savor to God, mm-hmm. a sweet fragrance to God. And the greatest fragrance that has ever, you know, people talk about all these different perfumes and fragrances and. Mm-hmm. What do you call this stuff that you plug in and and uh, oh diffusers diffusers or oil? yeah whatever stuff like that and there's there, you know there's different fragrances that we have uh, you know in the natural but the sweetest fragrance it's that this world crushing. has ever known is from come has come from the crushing from the Son of God mm-hmm. and the crushing of the Son of God there's many aspects and His love for us that has brought us. Life. There's so many aspects to his death that are highlighted through the story of the worm, the dye, the, the color, the death, the, the shape of the heart, the aromas. It's just amazing. Well, the aroma, look here in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. 
Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. In other words, basically, be, be like God. Do, do what God does. Mm-hmm. When you see him doing, do the same thing. Yeah. It, and what was that? Verse 2, and walk in love mm-hmm. as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, the devil stinks, and Jesus has a sweet-smelling aroma. <laughs> and we're to have a sweet-smelling aroma. We're not mm-hmm. to be stinky. We're not to be stinky. God takes us from being yeah. stinky mm-hmm. into bringing us into a place of where we can offer a sweet swell of a sweet savor, a sweet smelling aroma mm-hmm. to God and to this world. And how do we do that? He says we walk in love. That, yeah. That's it. And it's basically all this. Well, this goes forward. Is, this is about this the was love like of God. The offering of the incense. The incense was like prayers that were brought up to God. And this aroma is like the, um, the perfume that, that, you know, comforts. I think perfume uh, is a soothing if it's good, not, artificial but you know many people are allergic to perfumes but they're really probably not allergic to to natural true ones but uh the artificial ones but this aroma pleased the lord and going back to isaiah 53 in this um in this drama between the father and the son you know jesus willing to lay down his life counting on the father to resurrect him willing to lay down his life trusting knowing that the father was faithful to keep his word and jesus was fulfilling his end of the bargain, the deal that they had made for the resurrection of men. Um, it says, and yet in verse 10 of 53, Isaiah 53, 10, and yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him and put him, he has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and be satisfied by his knowledge, my righteous servant, that's Jesus, uh, has justified many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Um, therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he will divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. He took on the shame and in the, in the humiliation. He bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. So it pleased the Lord to, first of all, let Jesus go through with this, and it also pleased the Lord to reward him by not only rewarding him with the inheritance and making him uh, the king of kings and giving him the kingdom, but also bringing many uh, with him, many heirs together with him to, the, to uh, enter into the fullness of that promise. So we had been cast out and alienated through sin and iniquity, um, cut off, shut off, barred from life eternal and barred from the goodness of God in our inheritance. We've been stolen, kidnapped, held hostage, and Jesus came and opened up the gates, made a way for us to be brought back in through the cross, through the, the resurrection, into the fullness of that family of God. In, in 1 Peter 2.21 uh, through verse uh, 24, it says, For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. And then look at verse 24 here. 
who himself bore our sins in his own body. Mm-hmm. Where? On the tree. On the tree. The scarlet worm, what? On the tree. On the tree. That we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Were, past tense. It is finished. And I believe that is the most powerful concept that is most, again, overlooked. Many things are overlooked. The worm was totally overlooked. Um, the concept of, you know, it, it, speaking of the worm for a second, just one second. I, I, I have this bone to pick with evolution. <laughs> That's no pun intended, but um, the missing link. <laughs> That's but, good, honey. I like it. But the bone that I pick with them is this creation is so well ordered, organized, synchronized, coded, uh, falls in. There is absolutely have to be absolutely blind, veiled, willfully ignorant. I don't even know how you could be that willful to be that ignorant that you have to you can't see that this could not possibly, this world and what we see in it, the parable of the worm, even that as it matches, God was, you know, bringing another testimony. Um, I think in Second John, isn't there, First John, there's three that bear witness, the blood, the water, and the spirit, I think it is. And so, but the testimony of the worm so parallels the prophetic word in Psalm 22 and Isaiah 53 and Matthew, Mark, and Luke and John it's like, how could that be evolution? Just give it to me, please. I, I, and if you can't, if, if evolution makes those, why? Uh, another off, just bunny trail here for a second. Speaking of bunnies, oh my goodness, Easter is not about bunnies. And Easter is not about the resurrection either. Okay, but the rabbit trail, it, you know, how, would, how wise are we to submit ourselves uh, to worship monkeys and rats and elephants and snakes and dragons uh, worshiping the, we submit ourselves to these lower species in the animal kingdom. Why do we give up our rights as humans to become monkeys? I mean, it seems like a bad deal to me, a, ba- a bad trade, because we've got the short end of the stick. But we did that. De- the devil, uh, he's so persuasive, to persuade people that they had, that they could come from a monkey and then they could have freedom and there would be no supreme being, no ultimate, uh, uh, absolute. Uh, acknowledgement they'd ever have to make to uh, a God who had the power to judge and a power to uh, determine whether they would go uh, to heaven or hell based on their acceptance of his son. So to get rid of that idea of God, the supreme God, uh, the one shoe God, Satan cooked up so many options, but evolution is such a poor option. And the more we understand the details and the true stories of what, what creation is, groaning creation is speaking creation is telling us prophetically call that little scarlet worm a prophet because he he spoke she i should say spoke so detailed of the word and will of god yeah absolutely absolutely and and the whole back to the whole concept of of uh you know the power of the blood of jesus now first john chapter one and it's verses um uh, seven through nine. Let's just look there. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanses us from all sin. So there's cleansing. Mm-hmm. We mentioned about in the old Testament tabernacle, there was cleansing. There was scarlet from the scarlet worm that was used for cleansing in certain mm-hmm. uh, rituals there. 
If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So it's, it's really the blood of Jesus Christ, faith in blood. There was cleansing. There was, there was healing. There was a, 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 a sweet aroma to God. There's, there's, there's new birth. There's new life. There's wholeness. There's, uh, the, you know, our hearts are changed. Our hearts are caught like that medicine that causes from yeah. the scarlet worm that would cause the heart to beat uh, uh, smoothly. There's a, a new heart, a new life that all comes mm-hmm. through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Well, and Isaiah says, too, he says, come now, let us reason together, though your sins be as scarlet or red. Scarlet. scarlet they shall be white as wool. And this, again, talks about the, the transformation from sin, uh, blackness, or, you know, to whiteness, through red, through the blood, you know, the covering of the blood. Um, and it'll, it'll it, again, and that worm turned from red to white and became wax um, and medicine. Uh, it's very interesting how that, that the blood of Jesus is the atonement. It's the, it's, and, and, you know, look at this for a second. We talked about this a little bit last week about the blood of Jesus. The life of the flesh is in the blood. And the, the life had to be shed to, get, to, to make atonement for sin. But there was only one life that could be shed, and that was Jesus because he was the only pure lamb, the only one that was God and human. Now, it's interesting that Satan could have, uh, you know, there, one man sinned, that was Adam. So one man can replicate or fix, uh, um, make atonement for, stand in place of that first man and die. But that one man had to be the special only begotten son of God. Now, but Jesus also had to be human. He couldn't be just divine because that would not have worked right because Adam was human. Jesus also had to have humanness to him. And so that's why he was born of a virgin. And she brought forth the human DNA and the Holy Spirit brought forth the divine human uh, DNA to make him a God man, the son of God and the son of man. Both are true. Um, And but time it's interesting going back into the war between God and Satan for the souls of men that Satan could have protested, but wait a minute, he's not, he's, he's, he's cheating because he's part God and he's part man. And, you know, that's not fair because, you know, it, well, a human is a hundred percent human that sinned and therefore you can't use Jesus. But it's interesting, and I, I'll try to explain this. I, it came to me this morning. I haven't really pondered it and thought it out too In this war between Satan, I'm always looking for, um, you know, the eye for eye, tooth for tooth legalism that Satan uses to present his case against God. He could have come to God and said, but God, Jesus isn't the fair. Uh, that's not fair because Adam was all human. And, and of course, Jesus was God. He had, to, he had to, you know, represent the Godhead, but he also had to be human. So he was God and man, as I said. But the, the interesting thing is Satan already blew that argument. And he couldn't use that argument against God that he was, you know, using a God man because Satan had already done it himself in Genesis chapter six, where he cross pollinated fallen angels with humans. So he had already done the, the, the mixing of, you know, angelic with human. And so, therefore, what he did, 
he could not bring into court now and say, God, you can't do this because Satan had already disqualified that argument because he himself had done it as well. He had broke the rules, so to speak, and God did not break the rules. But all that this meant was that now he could not use this as an argument against God's plan of the God man, the son of God, the son of man, Jesus Christ dying on the cross. Does that make any sense to you? I think it makes sense to me. But anyway, yes. I like to find these kinds of things where Satan is because my in my paradigm of what I see the word of God showing us is that everything is is a war between God and Satan. And we're caught in the crossfire of it. We think we're such a big deal and we have, you know, we're all about our sin and get rid of our getting rid of our sin. But that's called basically religion, good works. And it's not the gospel of good news in Jesus Christ who died gave us grace. Now we're not talking about cheap grace, free grace or abuse of grace. We're talking about, he gave us grace because of the devil. And that grace gives us power to be transformed. It gives us power to, uh, to uh, be, to do exploits, to prevail, to uh, resist the temptations of Satan. It's interesting too, back to where, when all these things were done, we read in Psalm 22 and the other gospels, but all these things, that, that David prophesied the details, detailed experience of Jesus. And these people that were involved under the inspiration and stirring of Satan did not realize that they were fulfilling prophecy. Absolutely When not. they were saying no. crucify him, when crucify him. No. When they were gambling for his garments. No. When they were uh, you know, mocking him and so forth. When they were putting on him a scarlet robe. And they didn't, they didn't realize mm-hmm. that. They were fulfilling prophecy. What it says in Acts chapter 13. Yeah, and the, the, high, the high priest and the scribes that were at the foot of the cross mocking him. Don't you think they knew those those well, passages in the Old Testament on Isaiah and, well, and Psalms? I mean, or did they just not see it and go back and read it later? And say, well, oh. l- listen here. This answers that question. Uh, Acts thirteen twenty seven. For those who dwell in Jerusalem... And their rulers, because they did not know him, nor even the voices of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, (laughs) have fulfilled. They just didn't. They weren't listening in church. They have fulfilled them in condemning him, referring to Jesus. And though they found no cause for death in him, they asked Pilate that he should be put to death. Now, when they had fulfilled all that was written concerning him. And them. They took him down from the what? Tree. Tree. The tree. And laid him in a tomb. Verse 30. But God raised him from the dead. And I want to just look at, too, just to close today, uh, in the end of Psalm 22. And, 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 you know, you have to realize, too, that, that you can find yourself experiencing what David experienced, mm-hmm. where you feel like a worm, or you feel like maybe you feel like your enemies are surrounding you, you feel low, like there's no hope. And mm-hmm. then what David does is he does in so many of the Psalms, mm-hmm. he refreshes himself by saying, listen, uh, Lord, you're the one that brought me forth from my mother's womb. You're the one that's been with me all my life. Mm-hmm. You're going to come through for me, even Amen. though I'm in the midst of all this difficulty and this attack of because the enemy God, if right God now. God knows about the worm, don't you think God knows about you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it's interesting. The, this speaks of Jesus and the victory of Jesus in Psalm uh, 22. 
He says, and all the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. Uh, For the kingdom is the Lord's and he rules over the nations. And creation. And creation. And verses 30 and 31, a posterity shall serve him. Okay, what is that? The posterity is your what family? Why did the crimson generations worm, to come? Why, why did generations to come? Why did the uh, does the scarlet worm die? Go to bring forth a what? Posterity. Family. Mm-hmm. A posterity a shall posterity. serve him, and it it will be recounted of the Lord to the next generation. They will come and declare his righteousness to a people who will be born that he has done this. So what we're seeing here is that because of what Jesus has done, they, it has uh, his suffering, his sufferings for us, righteous sufferings for, for the sins of mankind to bring us into life and hope and his resurrection have worldwide long-term, long-time and eternal effects mm-hmm. because and of benefits. what he is that effects and benefits mm-hmm. for those that who we believe en- that we enjoy today for those who believe mm-hmm. and these these will go on forever so wow. let's pray father thank you for the cross we don't say that in a trite way we we say thank you lord for what you have done you've done it lord every time we ponder your love for us and the cross, and the resurrection, and these details that we've looked at today uh, that are just so profound and powerful and wonderful and interwoven throughout Scripture and throughout creation, throughout eternity. We just marvel at your wisdom. We marvel at your grace. We marvel at your love. Help us to be faithful in following you, Lord. And I pray for those that may be listening right now that are going through deep, deep struggles, deep suffering. Lord, I know that you understand what they're going through, and by your grace they are going through. And there is victory ahead for them. Thank you, Jesus. There is victory in you as they look to you, even, in the, even though they seem like there's no relief right now. Lord, in your time, you will bring the answer. You will bring the victory. And you will bring them in, into, into sweet fulfillment for us in your calling, Father. And we ask it now in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Lord, for the testimony of the scarlet worm, the parable, the prophetic testimony word that you established in creation as from the foundation of the world to show us the picture of the cross that would come thousands of years later, that you are truly in control of our moments, our days, our weeks, our lives, our years. And so we pray that even as you knew about the worm and sent the worm to testify to the story of Jesus Christ, his life, death, and resurrection, on the, uh, that you also have power and control over everything that, everything that pertains to us. So we bless you. We rest in the fullness of your faithfulness, your goodness, and your finished work. Amen. God bless you. Have an awesome, blessed weekend. And this is Life Recovery and True Light Church. Check us out on the web. God bless. I have an emergency. What is your location?